0: How's the ice cream, kids? Great! Who's ready for a kitten? I am! Make mine calico! Here you go! This whole morning has been wonderful. Too wonderful. It's shot day! Welcome to the 67th episode of Egg Timer Philosophy. Today's episode is an attempt to use philosophical reasoning to address public policy debates surrounding vaccine mandates to use public spaces and services, such as shopping in stores open to the public or taking public transportation, such as a plane or train. The topic has proven to be extremely controversial with lots of strong feelings about the issue and my goal for this episode is pretty modest. What I want to do is to say a bit about how philosophical reasoning can help with the debate. The specific topic of governmentally imposed vaccine mandates is a subset of broader questions about the legitimacy of government to restrict conduct or demand certain conduct more generally. Just about everyone accepts here that answers on the polar extremes are not ideal. To say a government cannot restrict public conduct at all would virtually eliminate all laws dealing with the public sphere of life. All laws, whatever they are about, will, by their very nature, be a restriction of liberty. But the answer at the other side of the extreme doesn't seem right either. A, leg- a legitimate government should not simply have carte blanche authority to restrict any conduct in the public sphere whenever it wishes. Free societies can't exist under those conditions. We can start by looking at some clear cases and proceed from there to see what we might be able to unearth about the topic of vaccine mandates. One of these clear cases involves a government's ability to restrict conduct that causes non-consensual physical harms, such as by making laws against assault. But it is also clear that under some conditions, a government can legitimately go further and restrict conduct that poses a great enough risk to others. An example I've used on previous episodes is the example of restricting impaired driving even before anyone is actually physically harmed. But it isn't the only example of restricting risky activities that a government can legitimately engage in. Say a person, call him Sam, wishes to take a highly poisonous balloon onto a subway car. He greatly enjoys the thrill of the experience. If the balloon doesn't pop, then everyone will be fine. But if it does pop, as balloons often do, then everyone in the subway car will die. It strikes me, and I suspect most listeners, that the government can ban Sam from bringing his balloon onto the subway car or to any public place because of the risky nature of his activity. But let's look closer at the poisonous balloon case and locate a couple of variables that might be useful when thinking about the topic of vaccine mandates. First, we have the variable of how serious the harm in question is. In the case of the poison balloon, it's real serious. It's fatal to everyone in the subway car but we can adjust the seriousness of the harm to fit other situations. What if instead of poison per se, the balloon carried a highly transmissible dose of the Delta COVID variant, and everyone in the car, if the balloon pops, would catch the virus. If we want to see how dangerous or serious the harm in a case like this is, we generally need to be asking an epidemiologist, not a philosopher. But the answer they give to this question regarding seriousness of the disease or the harm from the disease is highly relevant when considering possible governmental restrictions. A second related variable here concerns the likelihood of the risk to actually harm. In a closed subway car, in that example, this was stipulated at 100%. That was the likelihood of the harm occurring. But in many real-life cases, the number can be quite different. But even with a different number, that might not impact our, our final or ultimate judgments of the case. Say, for example, in some bizarre way, half the population was immune to the poison from Sam's balloon. It still seems reasonable to think that a government can restrict Sam from riding around a subway car with his poisonous balloon. When it comes to cases of disease, this variable, the likelihood of harm to materialize, will be highly variable. With the Delta variant of COVID, for for instance, it's much more transmissible than the original COVID strain. That fact can change the calculus here, and it helps explain why governmental restrictions concerning a disease like measles With an extremely high rate of transmission is often different than with a disease with much lesser rates of transmission. If measles was transmitted at a much lower rate, the government might well have less justification for requiring measles vaccines in public settings. An argument is often advanced that governments may only restrict you in a negative sense. That is, they can tell you not to do something that harms or risks harm to others. So they can tell you not to bring poisonous balloons onto subway cars. But generally, so the thought goes, they cannot make you take positive actions, such as getting a vaccine, because demanding that you do something is very different, supposedly, than demanding that you restrain from doing something. This particular argument is a bad one. I'll use a simple example to show why. First, the well-used example that a government can pass a law telling you that you must restrain from being under the influence while driving. No problem there. Now imagine, instead, that you have an old vehicle with brakes that are failing. It poses a serious risk to others on the road. I think it's both a moral and legal matter. You now have or ought to have an obligation to take the positive step of fixing your brakes before you go driving around on public roads. The legitimate restriction here isn't about you not doing something. It's about you doing something, fixing your dangerous breaks. So it's just a bad argument to suggest that legitimate governmental restrictions only involve you not doing something. Now, it's an open question to ask under what conditions a government can mandate a vaccine in order to use public spaces. But whatever answer is given here, a good argument won't simply reject the idea that a government always acts wrongly when it mandates a person do something. The two variables of seriousness of risk and likelihood of the risk to harm work in tandem. They don't exist in their own separate orbits. How serious is the potential harm and what is the likelihood for that harm to materialize? Very high or strong answers to these questions speak quite strongly to legitimate governmental restrictions. And likewise, very low or weak answers to these questions speak strongly to illegitimate governmental restrictions. But many real-life cases fall somewhere with both variables towards the middle of the scale or with one variable very high on the scale and the other much lower. It is worth noting a vagueness in a point that I just made. What does it mean for an answer to our variables to be very high or very low? I breezed over this pretty quickly, but the answer is not obvious. What we need and what we do not have concerning the topic of vaccine mandates is a clear threshold concerning these variables. Governments and the societies they govern they, they govern, excuse me, typically lack these thresholds, so more than others, some more than others, but all of them do this to some degree. So it shouldn't surprise us at all that things like vaccine mandates are controversial and especially controversial in places that have no public standard for these thresholds. They are going to remain that way if we leave our variables surrounding them vague and nebulous. If we want to deal with this controversy in a constructive way that respects the will of the people, we need to do the tough work as a public to come up with some tangible and in cases where it allows quantifiable thresholds concerning these two variables. What degree and likelihood of harm ought to trigger a governmental restriction? Until we answer that, the shouting matches that missed the point will continue. Deciding these types of thresholds is tough work, there's no doubt about that. It's a question of public policy that a free society operating with the best information possible needs to decide together. No one person or small group of people in a free society should simply decide the question of these thresholds of risk in a vacuum and impose them on others. Instead it means it needs to be decided in a public fashion with the ideas of many concerning our variables debated and decided by everyone. Philosophy can help us see more clearly the terms of the debate, but it can't alone do the work. Until next time on Egg Timer Philosophy, wishing you good philosophical vibes.